What's happening, guys? Brandon here, bringing you another episode of Modified Rides Podcast. Today, we went down to Texas. We've got Jesse from ICAR down in Houston, Texas. Going to give a little background on who he is and, and what he does and give a little different perspective of the car world in Houston. So, uh, Jesse, uh, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks for, well, I'm very honored to be out here with you. I did get that right. You are in Houston, right? Yeah, Houston, we're um Katy area. So, you know, Houston's one big group of, I say, small suburbs. So, but yeah, we're in the Houston area, not too far from downtown. So you'll, uh, yeah, like we talked today, you'll be at LST, but you're not doing a, a booth. I know we see you at a lot of shows doing your booth and kind of bringing some of your builds, but I guess this time you're just using your builds for, for other people's booths this year. Yeah, so well, we will be out there on uh, at at the fairgrounds this year. Um, we don't usually do a booth there just because um, you know, throughout the year, like you mentioned, we um touch tons of shows in different communities in different states. So we've um we've committed for certain companies that come out to enjoy Texas and, and this Long Star Throwdown. We get a few stuff done for them. So that's how we've committed our time for LST to try to get something done for the ones coming in from out of town. So we'll definitely have a couple of rides out there this year and let's see how things go. I know we'll get into it later, but is your Ram going to be there? Ram will not be there. Um, <laughs> I, I, I get, I get DMs and texts every day on that thing. So I know it's been down for, for a while, but we're hoping this year um, we'll, we'll have it at a, at a few good shows and we're hoping to get the grand show at SEMA this year. You know, I know I've promised, couple of years and but um got a good friend of ours out in Dallas that's doing a lot of beat roll for, for me so we just want it done right you know I'm collabing with a few shops trying to you know rub shoulders with um some good talented people so hopefully this thing will come out good I know that's kind of first first linked up with Super Truck because when I was building Cranberry you were doing your your front yes. end swap and everything on yours and and then killed it with the interior so we're just yeah. waiting on a bed now pretty much pretty much bed in um engine bay and um of course we'll definitely have to do some more body work now that we're doing a lot of more welding and stuff but you know that you mentioned cranberry that was one of my inspirations to do a dodge i don't know if i ever mentioned that you know i was yeah. man i was digging in my brain and like man you know i'm gonna build me a chevy you know i like ford but in every corner i turned someone was building something it's like well man how can i have and then i came across cran cranberry and it's like man i'm doing a dodge so um, I guess the first time me and you actually met, I guess it was uh SEMA twenty one when I had cranberry back and drop stars yes. booth. So Yes, yes. And then yes, the good it. thing about when, when you meet somebody at SEMA, everybody has their badge with their names on it. So you walk up and the first thing you do is look down and like, Oh, that's who you are. Yes. <laughs> yep, yep. That that's how it worked. And you know, I, I had wanted a to see see cranberry and meet you for, for a long time, you know, since we were, you know, on looking at each other's profile and of course, I'm going to add the opportunity, and I have to say, you know, I did ask you about who did your engine bay, and um, yeah. those, you know, I, I kind of sneaked some some ideas from what you did with Cranberry, so it's a mixture of all, you know, I tell everybody, you know, to be a car enthusiast, and then you want to be a, you know, car fabricate, uh, fa fabricator, artist, you know, you, it's, the, the ideas have to come from somewhere, so it's what you do yeah. with the ideas, so I use a lot of, you know, from your build and several other builds, and my unique thing was just doing the single cab since there wasn't any single cabs out. Um, I, I'm a real big fan of a single cab truck. So I say, you know, we're going to try something new and 
it's been hitting so so far. I know a lot of people are excited to see this thing. So I really, really, really want to bring this thing out. And that's the one thing I, that I love about the actual truck community is there's not really any gatekeeping. If you ask somebody, what's your wheel specs? They're going to tell you. If you ask well, how or who did this, they're going to tell you. And there's some of the, the niche groups that, that are like, you know, I figured it out my own. You figured it out in your own. I know I ran into that when I did the wife Subaru. Like, there's a couple of guys I love their wheel fitment. Like everything was perfect. You know, the, the 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 whole setup was right. And I was like, hey, can can you give me some specs? And they're like, no. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I can never do that. You know, someone like you or anybody walks up. I, if you walked up to me at a show and I didn't know who you were, how am I going to know that you're a fabricator going to do it yourself? Or if you're someone that's going to, you know, hire somebody who just really likes how it's done. It's like, why, why keep that information from somebody? For sure. No, I, I agree with that. You know, I'm a real big, um, I say, a educator, you know, because I, I want to learn. But, um, man, I'll be honest, you know, we get calls twice, maybe three, three times a week. And, you know, it's just questions. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do this. I see that you did this or or I'll get referred by somebody saying, hey, they said to reach out to you that, you know, and I tell you, but it's not, it's not a secret. You know, it might be a word puzzle. You're going to probably have to sit there and try to figure it out a little, but you can get some help. Eventually someone's going to help you. So why, why not be the guy to say, you know, I helped instead of being the guy that you, that you mentioned, like now figure it out yourself. So you now I'm still learning in, in, in this trucking industry game. You know, um, I love cars and trucks my whole life. You know, I, I grew up in this thing and, um, you know, I remember doing, builds with my dad when you know it was you know 1510s and zz top stuff and you know it just the the enthusiast just it's it's innovated into something new and that and, and i'm exploring it new so there's always going to be a learn a learning curve in doing something it's like when a new camera comes out or a new microphone comes out you got to figure it out you know so yep. and it's the same thing with these builds you know it's something new you're going to figure it out we have we have the common sense people have the common sense but needs just a, a direction to get to it and i'm glad to be part of that giving direction or getting di- direction no, the community has been real open to me appreciate that well let's step back so jesse is a, as a little jesse what mm-hmm. what inspired you to follow custom vehicles was it family like how did you get your you know bit by the bug of the custom vehicle world uh so of course um i'm not too old myself you know um my errors um early nineties, um, growing up and it was my dad, you know, my dad had a shop and we did, he did a lot of collision work and he did some custom work. And then as a kid, you know, to keep me away from the streets and try to give me a skill, you know, it it was the body shop. So I remember growing up and I was building low low rider bikes. Low riders was something of the way in the nineties, you know, and eighties and so I, I kind of grew into that of body work and welding. You know, I was welding at, at 15 years old, just trying to make something new out of metal and makes and then fiberglass, you know, with body fillers, trying to make shapes out of something to be unique. So um, I would say fa- it, it's a family heritage. You know, I'm third generation into this stuff. And um, yeah, we enjoy it. So. So, you, so your grandfather was into it as well. So, yeah. Course, you, um, did you grow up in Houston or? No, I'm originally from San Antonio, Texas. So I, I grew up in San Antonio and then relocated to Houston maybe about 15 years ago. So we've been here since. And um, of course, when I moved here, um, kind of we branched out to open my own li- little shop back in 2011. And 
2013, we, we were doing good. Of course, you know, we did a lot of, I was into the collision because we were looking for the money, you know, pay yeah, bills and then insurance. But, uh, man, but I, I got to say, when you have a bug for, and you love something, it was always a custom work. So I always had my own little hobby and, and now the hobby is, um, is paying off, you know, to meet great people in the community in this custom world and, and it's paying off now. So it's kind of how we, I stuck back into the custom world of things. So when you started, uh, you said back in 2011, was it ICAR that you started or was it something else then? So it, it, it was ICAR Houston. So it was, um, it was ICAR Houston. Um, ICAR is an acronym. It's, um, it stands for Inner City Automotive Ready. A lot of people don't know that. Um, this name goes all the way back to before there was ICAR, the education stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with, with that type, type of stuff. So um, it is an acronym. You know, we did grow up in the inner city part of town. So, you know, we just stuck with um, a memory for me to always remember where I came from to keep me off my high school. You know, I got to remember your roots and the grounds of, you know, the struggles. You know, if we, one day I was successful, I can keep, keep us all humble. So that was kind of the the inspiration for the name was we, we loved cars and we were always ready to fix on something. So when we relocated to Houston, well, it was just a perfect fit, you know, iCar Houston. And um, we wrote, we ran with that. We did tons of um, collision work and we did that for several years until recently. Um, I know I mentioned to you that um, we had some big changes for this year. So, but before we get to that, um, as I was going through iCar Houston, I kind of launched into the custom world. And this is kind of how we met guys like you and the other community. So I changed things around and just said, okay, well, what, what can I do to still, you know, I still had my love for the name because it was something original. I said, well, you know, I'm just going to cut it down to HTX. I'm going to put concepts at, at the bottom. You know, I'm going to try to bring my ideas to, to the scene that, that I'm getting rec- recognized in and to the scene that, that, that's embraced me which is a truck scene. And so that's where iCar HCX comes up. So um, it was actually for the custom side of things. So then we hit the shows, man. We've been doing this for 18, 17 is when we got, I got involved with the truck scene. Always did custom works, you know, always into the car scene, imports, um, hot rod, you know, we did build race cars and we, I did a lot of fabrication and that type of stuff specs with suspension to you know for for g-force you know we did all that things and then um i just fell back in love with my old roots man fabricating when i i I see a truck i think of a bike you know as i was trying to figure out why this this um spoke wheel didn't fit on my bike when i'm trying to lay this thing on the ground so now i just see the truck is just four wheels now so we're trying to lay these things on the ground now so what was your first, you know, you said you started messing with the bikes and stuff, but once you got your license, what was the first custom vehicle you had? Did you have one right off the bat at 16 or? I did. Like I said, I was into lowriders, man. I had a 1987 Cutlass Supreme, you know, had, we did hydraulics and um, it bounced everywhere. It was never pretty, you know, because, you know, we're this 15, 16, 17 year old kid, man, was call ourselves grease monkeys. You know, we had grease all over us, uh, pissing with bust up the street and, we we make it roll again, but that thing bounced everywhere. So that was one of my very first custom builds that we could say that um that I did with me and a couple of buddies in 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 the house garage and um took advantage of my dad's shop you know late at night. But of course we would get ran off because it wasn't production to him. 
but uh, you know we had some fun so that was that and then from there it just evolved from 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 there you know they saw my skill um and i participated a lot in the world back in those days you know when we're narrowing differentials you know to fit a wheel that was a 15 by 15 you know i think back in the 90s the biggest you were going to get on a on a pickup truck was maybe a a 18 and if you were lucky a 19 because they just weren't doing these these things you know these 20s was uh evolution of a turn of the world man like what in the world you got a 20 inch wheel so um but even back then a 17 was crazy expensive like us as kids it's hard for us to go buy a a 17 because you couldn't afford them now you can buy a 17 for for dirt cheap but yeah uh so this is you said early 90s when you was when you was doing this yeah early 90s mid 90s um of course beltic had hit the scene um you know, this is when when you heard of cent of centerline. Centerline was what you hear today, comparison to you know um, JTX or intro wheels or, or or you know daily specialties. I think was around at that time also. And butt neck was something like was something that you couldn't like you said you couldn't afford. If you were looking for a seventeen by ten, man, uh, your parents had to really 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 had to love you to give you all the money in the bank to get those wheels. And now so, you're. Twenty-eights and thirties on these trucks that are that are bags. So, did you ever so, think, though, as a kid messing with a bicycle, that you were going to be stuffing a thirty-inch wheel under the the back of a truck like that was even going to be possible? No, you know, um, I wasn't even thinking that far. You know, I was amazed at, at a you know a, a seventeen-inch Scorpion centerline sitting on an OBS truck or a Suburban and. That was amazing, you know, and then the struggles it was to get those things down. You know, you have all these, you know, I tell everybody, you know, the pioneer in the game are these mini, these mini truckers, you know, the 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 original OGs, you know, being from San Antonio was, it's it was a small town then. You know, it still is, but it's just on a more modern side things of, of t- today. But, you know, to be out in Houston and then to start being the guys, the mini truck guys in Louisiana, you know, mini truck guys in Mississippi, the Houston guys that were doing stuff, the guys from Arizona. And then you think back, man, 20 something years ago, man, I was admiring these dudes because y'all were the, pi- the the pioneers of the truck world and not local where we're at. You, you know what I mean? These guys, you know, I, I was just talking to a good buddy of mine and they're dying off. You know what I mean? Health, sickness, you know, age is catching up. So I was saying, yeah. man, absorb and meet some of these guys and absorb what they had in their mind when they're in the garage making these, these funny frames, you know, with these, 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 what I call spiderweb frames, try learning it now because uh, eventually someone's going to have to keep on with that. Well, there's a lot of the big names, Dave Kendig, for example, you know, these guys started in the, the mini trucks and the Volkswagen stuff. Cause that's all yeah. about any of us could afford back then was the, that's what you could get cheap. You couldn't get any of the big stuff cheap. <laughs> I personally started out with the Honda world, but I was full mini truck. I had the tweed interior. I had the shaved door handles, you know, the billet steering wheel. Like mine was a, a mini truck inspired, but even though I wasn't a mini truck guy. Yeah. So that was the, the world I ran around with as well. Yeah. You know, for me, my, my second custom vehicle was a mini truck. I was just, so it was a 92 Mazda and, of course, it had the old uh, 15 inch centerline wheels. It was on the ground. Had, you know, we did our own custom graphics. And so that was things that I was involved in, you know, things that I love to do. You know, I, I was calling myself an artist. You know, I drew on paper and tried to put that on on anything I could with with an airbrush or a paintbrush. And so 
you know, and, but now, like you say, 30 years later, you know, it's like to be heavily involved in it. Um, I never thought I would be tucking a 28 inch wheel, even not even a 26, 12, you know, these reverse wheels. When I first saw these wheels back in 2008 and nine and man, it was, it was amazing. Whoa. You know, where have I been my whole time? I saw this stuff on hot rods and you barely had a, you know, an eight inch lip because, you know, frames were, were, were in the way, you know, and then of course took a little just guessing and thinking outside the box, you can narrow and push things out of the way to make stuff fit if you just did the right geometry. So. Well, like what's the S truck that you're, you're messing with? It's got a, what, a 28 by 16 or something on the rear of it? On oh, which one's that one again? Blue one. Oh, the, uh, for Senor Chevy's truck. Yeah. So that was a 28, 16 reverse. So you got a 14 inch lip, 13 and three quarter inch lip and huge. That thing was huge. Um, so, you know, we had fun with that one. You know, um, we, I did have some help come in, you know, we're doing this stuff. And like I said, I, I'm a collaborator. You know, if I don't know it, you know, I was always taught if you don't know something, the, stu- the stupidest question is not ask- asking the question. So, you know, um, we, I, re- I reached out to a couple of local guys to get some help here to, man, we're trying to fit this wheel and I want the geometry, right? So they've extended our hand. And now that thing's out on the road, it's everywhere. It's huge. You know, our, our thing for me and our shop is um, the cleanness of our work. You know, we want to make sure, you know, line wiring, you know, um, geometry sitting good, um, paint work, um, coatings are right, you know, because that's what brings the uniqueness of, of a job, you know, and so, you know, you put three or four minds together, you know, and then, of course, I have to say a lot to a lot of, um, to a lot of people that, that ask, if it wasn't for the team that I have in the shop, um, I don't think we would all be doing what we're doing, you know, because it does take multiple hands and multiple brains, you know, to put stuff together. You know, fortunately, uh, I mean, you know, well, the blessing I'm going to say is uh, I'm just a face of, of a lot of this stuff. So fortunately, if something's bad, then they're going to see me and hopefully I'll get yep. less frowns and more smiles than anything. So, but that's where we're at. Well, how many, how many employees you have at the shop? So recently we've, our, our biggest crew has been eight. We're down to five right now, but then we, like I said, we have change coming. Change okay. has so um, maybe I can elaborate a little, little, little bit on that. Um, so we recently got rid of um, Iker Houston is no longer. So we don't no longer do collision work anymore. You know we've um we've let that skill of things die down because we were so bombarded with the custom world at that um we couldn't focus on both sides of things. And the only way to focus on both sides of things was more revenue or more currency or more money. And to have two crews was kind of hard when, you know, it's hard to find some good help. So, you know, I, I was very, I'm very picky with the crew that we hold. So I hand select a lot of the guys. So um, we, I just couldn't balance both worlds. So um, I focused on something that I grew up with, which my passion was custom world work. So we stuck with custom. So we're down to four guys now in the custom world. Um, us launching our new shop, and got rid of the collision work for this year. Um, we've actually sister companyed a retail store. So now we now instead of being the end consumer in 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 the collision center world, we're the retailer to these stores now. So now we sell the products that they need to function on a daily basis, and then that lets me focus on these custom builds that 
what I really love to do. You know what I mean? I, I'm a guy of detail and, you know, and I love it. I, I dream about it. I wake up to it. You know what I mean? How that airline is going to pay, how, how it's going to roll on that fender or how it's going to roll on that frame and what 90 or 45 degree angle, 35, or maybe even a 28 degree, you know, what, how would that look rolling on the airline? So those are things that, that I'm in love with. I fell out of love out of just putting on a fender and putting some body filler and fixing the dent, you know. This, you sound like me lay there at night staring at the ceiling and your your mind's going to like 14 things you're doing the next day to make sure it's right i'm i'm the exact same way on yeah. that whether it's a photo shoot or the podcast or a video like i'm going to film it this way or do this with it so i, I we're a lot on the same page on that yeah. so yeah. do you remember what your first vehicle you charged someone to customize like is that something that's stuck in your brain um honestly no um we've done so 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 many you know i i got you know i get the question like what's what's your been your favorite your favorite build so so far that was my next they're, one they're all mine you know everything we touch it's a favorite to, to me because you know we put so much work into this job you know i tell people people even if we failed at the job you know because we can't be 100 percent on everything we can be complete 99.9 is i i can try to give you my all you know, um, and even if I feel that we failed or if a customer leaves unhappy, because we do have those, you, you know, it's, unfortunately, that's just the world. You know, we, yeah. Yeah. there's billions of pe- people in the world. And so that means there's billions of personalities and billions of, of ideas. But everything's a favorite to me, you know, because everything has a unique, a unique touch to it that the customer will never know. Um, the employee or your or your your co-fabricator or your painter we'll never know what special that vehicle has to me because, um, you know, like you said, I stare at the ceiling at night. Okay. How are we going to make this paint? Right. You know, or how, how can I get this, uh, metallic or this candy to flip the way the customer has described it to me. So I, I try to get the idea. I try to get the, the color. I try to get the build to a re- to a reality aspect in my brain. And that takes, a toll, stress, anxiety, because you don't know until the person actually sees it and says, you know what? I love it. Or the person says, ah, that's not what I'm looking for. So, you know what I mean? So you're nervous to that point. Hopefully that they'll say we love it. So every build we've touched, it's been the best for me. Um, Do we have some that has ignited us to another level? Well, yeah, you know, there's those unique ones that I can say, you know, this, I think this, vehicle or this truck or this yeah. car has pushed me to another level so but as being my favorite one that i can remember we've done so so many so many that people haven't even seen in the streets or you know people took them home and they've disappeared off you know the area or, or whatever for whatever reasons but what what about personal vehicles what's your personal favorite is there one that you let get away that you wish you wouldn't let get away um i do I do. Uh, of course, it's it's not a truck. It's a it's, it's a car. I had a, uh, of course, when I was into my hot rod worlds and performance and mo- motorsport Silvas, I had a 1993 Mustang Cobra that I had every sweat and tear and everything into this thing, and it had to I had to get rid of it for you know uh, priority reasons. And you think back and say, man, that's the one that you really got away from me. That you know, I even look for it sometimes. I you know, I dream and I'll be. 
I call window shopping. I'm online trying to see if I can find something similar to her, but you know, uh, but yeah, there there is one car. Of course, it wasn't into the custom world. It, it was more into the more the motorsports stuff. Um, as for the custom world, I'm still building it, man. I think that will be the one that if I ever get rid of it, that might be the one to say I should never let that one go. That's that dot. Ram. It's the ram. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still building that one. I'm giving him all. Trying to give it all. You know, it's been four years now that we've we touched on this thing, and you know, I can't wait for it to hit. So hopefully. We don't get rid of it, but if we do, hopefully, a few years down the line, if I do get rid of it, we'll do a podcast and, t- and tell you uh, that's the one that got away. <laughs> so, for those that, that are listening that don't know, so the truck we're referring to, it's a fourth gen Ram. And I think you were probably the first person to do a fifth gen front clip swap on it. Um, I did research, I thought I was the first. Um, I'm I the say first. 1500. I know there was 1500. some of the 1500 ever done. Yeah, so. I was the first to complete a fifth gen front end limited on a 1500 single cab. There was a shop out in Tyler, Texas that did one, never completed it from my understanding. So they were in the makings. Um, I reached out to a few guys because I was, I was tapping in the scene. You know, I was trying to get ideas to see, you know, how to merge and marry these fenders together, you know, to make sure that, you know, Things didn't crack on me later. And I bumped into a gentleman that knew a guy out in Tyler, Texas, that was doing one. Never completed the front end. So I would say I would be the first to complete the front end, but not the vehicle. So, but um, we have done two, we've done three total, one being mine and two that actually went home to, to the customers with the fifth gen front end. So I would say we're, you know, I would generally take the first place on, on that one, just because we have two vehicles that went home and they both been resold from the, the, the original owners. So they're enjoying them in the streets now. The, and the reason that, that the front end swap was done for you that don't know. So on the fourth gen Rams, you could get a standard cab Ram. Starting with the fifth gens, you couldn't. So the only way to get the new body style, which is the same as Cranberry, the same same body style, the only mm-hmm. way to get that look in a standard cab was to do the front end swap. So would you have to cut fenders and weld together? Did the fenders bolt right on? Or So no, um, we did have to cut fenders. So we had to marry the fourth gen to the fifth gen fender so we can get the light pocket to sit in well. We had to um, remove and replace the inner um core support brackets and the end the end the end of fender braces so where the fenders hang on to is we have to replace those corners in too just because of the contour shape of the fifth gen um of course new hood um we you do do a little bit of fabrication onto the your horn brackets where the bumpers are going to sit so um those are pretty good until uh a fabrication work that went into making this front and sit properly with the right gapping. It's not like doing an Escalade swap on a Silverado. Yeah. Or, or, or it's not even like doing the 20, the fifth gen 2500, all that stuff bolts on, you know, um, to do the 1500, it did take a little bit of more, um, I'll say skill and a, li- and a little more concentration putting in this front, this front end. Um, there, there'd been several people that would call like, you know, out of California or Arizona. And I guess they've never completed because, well, I've never seen the truck, but I given a lot of people would call me, you know, Hey, well, I want to, how much you charge me? Like, 
you know, if you're a do-it-yourself guy, I can give you a part list. You know, and I was one of those persons, you know, that if it's something that inspired someone else to do, well, man, I sleep good at night with that. You, you know, that we did something that, that someone wants to do too. So I've, I've, I've given price um, in, uh, parts list on, on this thing um, to a lot of people. So I just haven't seen anything come out yet. Everyone revolves back to the 2,500 conversion because I'm assuming the fenders just bolt right up and it's a lot easier. Much easier. Yeah. But you can't stand out in the crowd if you're doing just a bolt on. Like you're, you got to be that that person to do that different aspect to stand out at a show. I agree. I mean, I agree. It's even it even walks down to what type of shoes you wear. You know, if you stand out a little bit, you get a little bit more attention. So, um, I agree. Especially might be, why, might be why I have a massive uh, Nike collection. So there you go. Even the pair of shoes twice. So. <laughs> You know, for 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 me, it's it's the shoes and and it's the uh, Columbia shirts that we put on our back that if we can change it up and make it look good. Meaning, we're you know, it, it will at least get a couple of more hellos than the next per- person, right? Good marketing. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. but yeah, no, I do agree. Um, and especially in this scene, you know, you got. I tell, like, you know, we talk with the guys in the shop, and I try to encourage our 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 guys, and we got great guys, but. You know, to be open-minded, man, this scene has so many people that, that, that if you would put these people in a shop, man, you, you, you would have a world-class shop, you know, but everyone loves to do their own thing, but everybody has an idea and they're great. And, uh, and there's a lot of successors, you know, that's what makes this scene so great because you can walk into a show and, and not just be a, a spectator, but as a spectator walk, walking in, you can walk out with so many ideas if your mind's just open to sit and talk and try to know these people and learn them. That's why I mean, you walk by and you see some, some mod or some little small touch someone's done. It's like, well, that I never thought of that. That's actually pretty cool. Why don't I try to incorporate that into, into one of my builds? And I, there's a lot of stuff that I've picked up at shows. It's worked itself into, into my builds. That's true. Same here. Um, that's what this is going. So being in Houston, uh, as someone that's not in Houston myself, Y'all have a very distinct car culture in Houston. The, I guess it's the swangers that, that people put on them in Houston. Yeah. It's crazy that that one city you see, I mean, I don't know how often you see them driving down the road, but you know, we see them on the internet all the time, but you don't see them anywhere but Houston. What makes that a Houston style? Well, for, for, for starters, Houston is a diverse city, you know, you want culture, you'll find it here. You know what I mean? It's 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 like the weather; it's bipolar. You don't like the cold? Wait five minutes. It's gonna change. You, you know, so that that's a blessing in in itself. That that there's so much diversity here that that you have no choice but to think outside the box. You know, to um, the swanger things of of Houston. Um, not being a native from here, but just understanding the culture. You know. Um, the these these um these spinner wheels or you know these these bolt tires uh it's pretty unique you know you find a lot of this stuff out in the south side of Houston or south Houston or north side of Houston and and um being unique uh, I w- I would say you know the the um inner city culture of things here evolved to to another cr- to another creative idea to be unique and be different, you know, and, 
I think um, that's a culture that they made to say, you know, this is us Houston guys in, in the inner city, and this is what we bring, and the world loved it, you know, because it's it's everywhere. People are are trying to do the same thing, or people are trying to, you know, to follow to follow the trend that that we have here. And and not, it's not only the car scene, man. You know, you got the 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 import scene is super huge here. The you know the the motor the motorsports stuff. You know, you got the import. So you know, there's just so much stuff here. When you know, I tell on a business mindset of things. You know, I tell a lot of people. Houston is a great city for businessmen. So you you want an opportunity? I mean, I think Houston would be one one of the cities to try. If you can't do something in Houston, then you just weren't really hungry to do anything, you know, because the you know the the diversity here in this city and town is huge. It sounds like the the car culture and truck the whole scene is big down there. So, like I said, it keeps people like you busy. Thinking of being busy though, so you're involved with some Discovery Channel stuff. Let's let's touch on that a little bit. How did you get into the Discovery Channel stuff? What do you do for them, and and how is that going? So, um, last year, some sometime, the Discovery and Espanol came into town, and they wanted to do. They tried to touch into a new TV series um, called. Um, um, Metamecanos is called um, Sin Frontera. So it was the show Metamecanos with Martin Baca. Sin, Fron- Sin Fronteras means without borders. So the car culture in Mexico that this this other shop was involved when in, is in the custom world and the restoration world and you know of the um, more of the um, um, mod touring stuff and and and, and resto pro touring stuff. They wanted to come into the U.S., so that's why they, they named it Without Borders. You know, we, we can get these two car yes. cultures together and bring it together. So when they started doing, you know, their 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 shooting and their interviewing, they started in California. And being in California, we um, I my interior was done out of a shop in California called California Posteries with Joe. So as my truck was there. They were, um, I think I had already picked up my vehicle, but they had visited this this upholstery shop and they did some stuff with that shop. So they were looking for more, not influencers, but people involved in the automotive scene that, that had some diversity. So our name was mentioned and we got a phone call and we joined the team with, you know, um, California, Texas and Florida with Miami. So. We um, did a little clippings with Miami. We did some with California. We did some here in Houston with us, with our shop being the primary shop. And then, of course, we went out looking for other small shops. So we, be- I became a consultant for, in a sense, as in, in my little job role, you know. So um, they, they've used us a little bit in the um, international side of things. Um, so that's kind of where I fit my role in. But um, we had a nice interview. We showed them some work that that we did. You know, we last year we did the rodeo with them. So um, with us in Discovery, it, it's it's uh it's been a nice role. So hopefully we'll get used a little bit more this this year. You know, we're waiting. You know, we have plans with the original shop out in Mexico, the ones that that invited us to his his part of his episodes. So 
that's kind of my involvement right right now with Discovery. So, you know, we did right now we're we're airing the clippings that we did we in airs in, in the Spanish side of things and the um and the international side like Spain, uh the Dominican Republic, um um Venezuela, Colombia. So that's where that stuff's airing mostly. Than so the US. For, for us that don't have, you know, that, that aren't in that world, what is that show comparable to on the U.S. side? Is it like a, a um, Gas Monkey or a Condigit or? Uh, gas Monkey, uh, 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 combined of all, you know, Gas Monkey, King Digit, um, of course, um, Texas Metal. Yeah. So it's um, so it's one, it's it's one shop in a sense of of, of that cat of that cal- caliber of design that was just in a country that's trying to touch the world without borders, you know, trying to get every car enthusiast, trying to touch scenes with, um, you know, with, with, with the next best, the next best thing across town. So they're trying to bring the whole community together. So that was part of the deal that we had with them. And it looks like that the, you know, going into the Mexico side of the show scene, it seems like that's actually pretty massive right now that I guess a lot of us in the U S might not see, but you probably see more of it being in Texas and, you know, being close to it. But how is the custom car and truck world different in Mexico than it is here? Um, so for one, it's huge. Um, many don't see it because they're like, you said it's not their local area. Um, the truck scene, um, the, the, the racing, the, I, we call it hot rod, but to them it's um racing. Um, it's huge. It's very, it's very big. You know they hold massive shows over, over there too. You know there's tons of events that happen, especially with the um, truck scene right 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 now. That's that's a scene that's just evolved. You know across the border, uh, there is a few big shows that people from our side do attend. You know and it is big. It's it's it, it's as big as what you see here, and it's just growing. It's it's growing, you know. Um, the area over there, um, the same bills that you would see here, are maybe at caliber, or maybe maybe even better over there. Um, they do have a lot of full size trucks, you know. As our scene is get here too. Yes, for you know, and then they they excuse me. Um, the 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 culture over there is is a little different. I'm I'm gonna say um it's different just due to to tra- tradition and customs as what the Latin culture has and what the American culture has. You know, the American culture, you know, um the same settings that 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 you know the mini truck world has and the full size truck world has um is a little different because of the way the custom and traditional side of things for the Latin world. But if you put it all in one, it's all the same. It's just different. It's just a language barrier. You know, I tell everybody with one thing I do love about this truck scene and just the, the whole custom world things is, you know, we have the same passion for the same thing. You know, we just wear different team names on our back or, you know, we uh, there's different clubs of all, but at the end of the day, we, we all, strive for the same thing and that's you know our our enthusiast for this truck and custom world yeah a hundred percent on that hundred percent i know you know some of the shows that seem to be popping up stuff like the atlanta truck invasion 
It's like you just think, oh, it's Atlanta Truck Show, but you go to that show, the the vibe is completely different. Like the the music, the food, the the entertainment. It, it's a almost like a festival more than it is a, a, a just a truck show where you're sitting in the tent all day. Yeah, well, you, um, great way to describe it. You know, entertainment. I know. Um, I I know the key guys for Atlanta Truck Invasion and the owners and when they have their meetings and, you know, and I've said it before um, when they've had their meetings, you know, and I've sat in on their discussions, their thing is they want to bring a whole festival. You know, they want the best artists, you know, they, they want activity. They, they want, you know, they want a, fam- a family error, but at the same time, you know, it's like you're walking into, to a fairgrounds, you know, and, and it's like another rodeo, you know, bring it, you know, just now you're just bringing this, this custom growth community together. You got, you know, the best billboard artists that in the Latin world that, that you'll find, you know, at Staples Center, they're, they're, they're bringing them, you know what I mean? They're, yeah. they're investing their, they're investing their dollar. You know, I look at it as a good business, you know, pe- people tell me, well, what's your profit rate whenever you, um, you know, do this stuff, you know, when you build these cars, well, the customer should rightfully get 75% back of their money. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I look at my numbers. Well, a lot of truck invasion and other shows are giving 80% back of the money back to the community because they're bringing the, the right entertainment, you know, the right shows, the right vendors, you know, the, the activities for the young ones. Yeah. So, and, and it's changed compared to other, our, our past shows where, you know, it was just, you, you hung out at the park. You know, I remember growing up in, in San Antonio and, and we had a, a Brackenbridge park. And all we did over there is we hung out, we cruised around. If you wanted to barbecue, you barbecued or you just hung out and talked. Well, now it's evolving. Like it's dirt. It's changed the scene now, you know, and it's one, it's one of the biggest shows I would say. And one of the best shows in my opinion is Atlanta truck, truck invasion. Cause they are investing. They are thinking of that spectator walking through those doors, paying whatever fee they pay to get into that. So, and they're bringing the best of the best of the truck clubs and, and, and the truck, you know, enthusiasts and the custom builders, they're bringing the best, they're, they're bringing the best bills that, that you can see on that side of the country coming from all over the country. If you had to go back to you as a younger kid that got into all this, would you have started in this world then, or would you have taken a different path? You think, you, you know, um, the older me would say that I probably I would have definitely wanted to take the path where I'm at now from the beginning, but um, be, being a realist, you know, and what I mean by that is, you know, being a father, being a husband, um, I think I would still lead the same way they got me here, because I've learned, you know, I've I've um I've learned to appreciate what I've done, you know, in my life. There's very few that I can say, what if, you know what I mean? Because I've tried a lot of stuff. So um, I think the road that I've taken has led me to where I'm at here today at a good pace and a good rate. Um, now, do I, what I've hoped that I could have learned a little things or more things back then than with me trying to learn now, of course, but I do like the, the footsteps that I'm in, um, just especially just because of the, the growing pains in, in life. You know, um, I do love the work 
that I do now. But I think if I would have just kept into the custom world of things, um, I don't think I would be as good as I am now because it was always a hobby at that point. So it took me as an individual to actually learn business um, the way that I learned the business. So now that I can incorporate that into what I'm doing now, because I'm actually doing what I love to do, what I did as a hobby, now as a career. So that, you know, if I kept that as a hobby, then, you know, many, and many people are, are have been successful keeping things as a hobby because they've hold, you know, their, their secular career. But I've everything I've learned as a youth, I've used it as a career to this point. You know, I've never had a, an, another job where I worked for a corporation or I worked for a company for 25 years. I've always worked for my family and for, and for myself. So being self-employed. It was like, it was like my end, like, you know, I worked, you know, in the you know soft drink industry. I was in, you know, Pepsi for 22 years and was doing the photography stuff on the side. So for me, that was my hobby. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to step away from the corporate world and, and pursue it on my own end. And I wish I would have done it sooner. So, yeah. you know, that would have been, that would have been easier to do it sooner, but you know, here I am now and yeah. exploding every, every chance I get. So what would you tell a younger kid or someone that's, trying to get into working at a shop or starting a shop, whether it be collision or custom or in interior, whatever, how would you guide them to start in that job field? Well, the first advice I would be is be consistent. Consistency is the rich, you know, um, you, you, you can be at your lowest point in life and have consistency and, it's balance. You know, if you just got to be consistent in what you're doing, whatever passion you, you love, you know, for you, you know, I, I like your example, you know, you, you loved camera, you know, you love photography, but your consistency was with the corporation to balance out whatever you had to do. And at one point or another, that consistency led you to where we're at today. So I would, I would tell the next generation um, consistency, um, learn from your older ones, you know, today's world, you know, we, pride is a key thing, man. And we have too much of it sometimes. So, um, pay attention to your surroundings, consistency, don't give up. Times are going to get hard. You know, I've had plenty, I've had plenty of hard, but you, you know, I lay in bed and I know the heart is, is there. And, you know, we thrive to learn around it. That's what's our, that's our growing pains. That's what we learn from. That's how we learn to, to, figure out our problem solving. You know, I remember growing, growing up in school and when it came to math and the testing, man, I hated problem solving. You know what I mean? So, and now here I find myself doing it every day, you know, in every <laughs> everyday life, you know, we got to problem solve things. So, but I think what's helped me and I think what, I think many will, will agree in the professional world is consistency. If we can keep the consistency of trying to do what you want to do, everything will work out. And um, that that's something I preach to my kids too is, and whatever you love, you, you know, you got to have consistency. With you being in the, the collision world, for example, for, for as long as you were, I hear a lot of stories where once the current generation retires out, that you don't have kids that are wanting to learn paint and body. And, you know, like that's, it's hard for these body shops to find people that want to learn how to sand primer and all that stuff. So do you see the younger generation shine away from the automotive world or... How do we fix that? 
So, so I do see the the struggle in that end, and I do agree with with um, the comments that people give about this generation doesn't understand the reality of of the automotive world in a sense. Meaning, book book wise, they're great. Man, I'm not going to say they're not. You know, and I'm not going to say that being just because you're book smart, you're never going to have a crafty hand, but I do believe that hands-on skills have to take place with the book skills. You know, yeah. um, you know, I have those issues. Well, I've had the issues where someone come in and they know it all. You know, I mean, you tell them book-wise, and they know from the two all the way down to the product that needs to be used, but they lack the skill because the hands-on are not there. So businesses today, collision centers, or even custom shops that are Fast pace, you know, let's use a custom shops, for example, you know, you got these great shops and they're fast paced. When you got an intern that comes in that doesn't have the hands on and they only have the book skills. Well, I think we both it's rare that 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 intern will stay long at, at this facility because the fast pace is, is the hands on. So yeah. um, I, I think to fix the problem and if I was an educator or someone I, I would do the hands-on skills back when we grew up i i don't know if you're in the same era but man we had woodshop you know what i mean even if you hated woodshop you're gonna go learn woodshop. how to turn uh, lace you know what i mean so now you're using lace i would use lace for wood but now we're using lace for steel you know what I mean? so if you just learn the skill and you know you had to have the wood shop you had some automotive shops you had electronic shops so it was I a hands-on I was big into the car audio side back in high school and I took electronics in high school, thought that was going to be where I was going to go. I did about two years at a community college for electrical engineer. And, and I was like, cause I, I wanted to do the automotive electronic side. And then I realized that with the electrical engineer degree, I'm going to be stuck in a plant every day. For the rest <laughs> of my life. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm out on that. Uh, and that's when I got into the, to the beverage world and thought that was going to be my life. And here I am doing what my, my hobby was. So what well, I, I go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, you know, the one thing my dad used to always try to stick in my head, it was um, you have to know the skill. You know, he was one of the, the, the older gen generation, go get your education, do whatever you have to do, you know, because back then without the education, you weren't getting in anywhere. You know, you couldn't yeah. be, you know, and sitting in an office, if you didn't have a type of education, you didn't have a social degree or not even a diploma. But he would always tell me, he says, give it 60 years and we're and we're going to all turn all the way back around to having a skill. You know, eventually you're going to need a skill to succeed in this world. So I think we're back to the skill part of things. Um, You know, there's some people that walk into now, you know, if you didn't have the education, then you weren't qualified to to get into certain companies and i think now you're overqualified if you have too much skill so you know balance is key um you do education is great i'm not telling anyone to drop out of school and but um you have the greats <laughs> that have been successful that that has done things by leaving school and some that have stayed stayed in school so but um the hands-on is to to me is key you know when we hire guys on and i hand select them you know they're older guys or they're younger guys, especially the younger guys, just having the work drive that you want to get your hands dirty and you're not scared of, of a metal cut, then you're good. You know, some people don't like the paper cut, you know, but here you're going to get cut. And if you're okay with getting cut and just not severely damaging yourself, then 
and you, you'll work you'll, you'll work out in the shop. So, is it um, even working yeah. on a vehicle if you don't leave with some blood being lost? I mean, I think that's a requirement. If you touch a, a wrench, you have to bleed at some point. Am I right? You're gonna bust a knuckle if you don't bust a knuckle. If, if, if you're scared to bust a knuckle, you, you know that my dad used to say you got to bust your knuckle. I had to be like, bust my knuckle. What do you mean bust my knuckle? He goes, man. If you don't get, because if you don't ever bust your knuckle, you're never going to give it the force that you need to give it. So eventually it's going to slip. It's going to slide. Got to bust a knuckle. Don't be scared to bust a knuckle. So um, the one I want to get hurt, but it cuts and throw the wrench across the, the shop and then, you know, move on to the next one. That, that, that's <laughs> it. So, you know, um, but yeah, I, I think the hands-on would be back to the original question. I think to fix the problems that we may be getting into in this automotive industry is hands-on. You can give, if you can give these young entrepreneurs, man, some some hands-on, I think though everything will work work out well. So with your changes with the shop this year, where do you see ICAR Houston? Where do you see it in, in five to ten years? What is your goal with the company and the, the scene? Well, right now with the scene, um I think um shout shout outs to everybody that's Welcome to me. You know what I mean? Especially you, you know, it, 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 it takes, it takes a lot to have someone trust you and then to have a, at least some bearer of a reputation. So um, five years from now with the people that I have surrounded that are surrounding me, that are encouraging us, that are supporting us. I see ourselves thriving. Well, um, I see ourselves um, accommodating the truck community worldwide especially locally and, and, and within our country, because it's growing, you know, it, it's still not everywhere, but with guys like, 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 like yourself, that's been in the scene for 30 plus years, that's known, you know, the, the, the aspects of the old guys who, to introduce or to even acknowledge, you know, you know, this was the guy that helped do this, or look, these are the guys that, that, you know, kind of created this. Um, I see us, if we, if we can do our part, as Icar Houston, as Jesse, as a um, slash enthusiast in this scene, um, five years, maybe even ten years, um, I see us evolving with the people that are around us. We we can't do it without you and you know um, Mitch out in 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 North Carolina. You know um, the guys out in Sal and Atlanta trucking base. You know. Del Carlos here with Texas Hold'em, you know, you got guys in California, Dan with trucking around, you know, you got yeah. the guys in Arizona, you got, you know, all these people trying to do what they can for the, the truck environment. I can't do it without them because, you know, I'll have no, nowhere to go. So when these guys support us and they invite us, you know, then it makes us want to thrive harder. Okay. What build are we going to take? What can we take that's unique? What can we take that or what do we do to, you know, to at least get some recognition. So um, without the support that y'all guys give, um, we wouldn't be here today. And I know with the support that y'all are giving us, I say five years is, is right, is right around the corner and we'll be successful because we have the help from the community. For sure. How, how do people find you? You know, they listen to this, they listen to your story. They want to know more about you, the shop, whatever. How do people find you online and, and see what you're up to? So one of our biggest thing right now is um, Instagram. So of course, um, our Instagram page is icarhtx. Um, a DM, you know, they got any questions? They want to know a little bit more about us, or if they just have, I don't know. It can just be an educational thing, you know. And if it's something that we can help, 
don't just drop us a DM. You know, we'll definitely reach out and try to get so or if you see us at a local show, we're we're definitely more than welcome to to embrace every, everyone. So So what that's you're saying what is people need to people need to reach out and ask you when you're gonna finish the RAM is what we need to there you have go. everybody yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, it's coming soon. You know, we have plans for this past year and I, I I always say, but I made the executive decision. You know, I made the decision to, to leave it where it was at now because I wanted it done right. You know, um, I've always made the mistake with a lot of our stuff that we've done, even for customers and all this stuff is a learning curve for me. You know, I think every day and I, if I can live to be 80 years old, I'm, I'm always going to think and try to learn something. So, um, even like I say, even with customers, you know, I try to move too fast or I try to, to, I don't want to skip any steps. You know, if I, if, if I don't want to do it for my customers, I definitely don't want to do it for me. I took the Ram out a few times and it took, it took me, I think seven shows to get it back into the shop. So I know if I take it back out again, it won't go back in. So I think it needs to sit to get it done. You know? So, you know, I tell the customers this all the time, like, come on, Jess, I, need my truck this day and I'm like man well let's don't do this show let me, you know and then I'm doing it you know so it's kind of like well you got yours well I'm I'm gonna take my own my own advice leave it down let's get it done and hopefully 20, 20 24 will be my year to shine and we'll let everybody to see it awesome well I look forward to seeing it it's always been one that stood out to me just because it was so different and the interior is just crazy so yeah. It's definitely one that I've I've kept an eye on for a while. So good. I appreciate it. Well, like I said, yours cranberry was the inspiration to this, man. So and then it's 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 awesome that I'm sitting here talk talking to you today. So um I, I appreciate it and thanks for coming on. Uh hopefully our, our listeners enjoyed listening to your story and they'll check you out more. So thanks for coming on, Jesse. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.